This is Akafe. Laura Marie and Jessica Marie proudly present A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, a podcast. Fair warning, everything the hosts say is explicit, full of spoilers and adult content and shall not be used against them. They have opinions. Let's try not to drag anyone for expressing themselves and just have fun for an hour. We all deserve it. This episode contains spoilers from Kingdom of Ash and Empire of Storms, with mentions of the We Hunt the Flame duology and Throne of Glass. Abuse, sexual assault, and grief are just some of the topics discussed in this episode as well. For full extensive list, these can be found in our show notes. Everybody and welcome to A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, your weekly deep dive into the YA literature and fandoms that we love. I'm Laura Marie. And I'm Jessica Marie. And today we are discussing a very, very heavy book that we just want to say right off the bat, if you've read it, you know it is very heavy. This is A Psalm, A Psalm of Storms and Silence by Roseanne A. Brown. And... Yes. Unexpectedly heavy. Yes. Yes. This is this is what this is what we want to say right off the bat. Jess, when did you realize that sexual assault and grooming was the main theme of this book? Um, it was probably the second it wasn't a chapter, but it was like the second overview of the narrator doing the storytelling when she did a flashback of like now let's return to the boy and the girls and like when Fareed, Hanan and Karina were just like just kind of like flashbacks to the past when they would all hang out and play together it is unexpectedly heavy YA YA through and through Yeah, YA through and through, but just unexpectedly heavy. And something, so I have read this book three times. It is sitting with me still. And there are parts where I put it down. Um, Jess, you and I are in agreement. After the first book, um, you and I were both probably like, yeah, we know where this is going. I just thought it was going to be like, okay, on to the next adventure. We're going to go see how we fulfill this prophecy. That's, I was just along for the journey, you know, very much like I think how We Hunt the Flame and We Free the Stars are. You're on this journey to, you know, and then you go into, you know, the duology, the second part and go, okay, on to the next adventure. And you kind of see how it'll be kind of wrapped up in a nice little bow. This bow is not so nice. No, it is not. It is not a, a nice wrap up bow. It is the the ending is the, the ending is is it's is a gut punch also. Yeah, it, it is just unexpected, and also, I think one of the most real kind of endings to a story like this, and and this is a very real story. Um, the the themes that are covered here are done in a very de- I'm going to say delicate way where it it, it it never felt like like exploitive do you, do you know what I mean like right. it, it wasn't like graphic or like described like that but you know exactly what happened and the impact that it had on everybody um yeah it, it was definitely something you take take the magic out of it everything else 
has happened is happening. People are going through their traumas and they're processing it. I mean, we went, we were speaking a little bit before this episode, before we started recording, and we said, this book could be dissected in a college level course because of the themes. And I don't want to say that the themes are adult themes because a lot of the things that are happening, there is no age discrimination. It happens to all ages. And that's reflected from the beginning when there's human trafficking from in the village, from the, the young children to the grandparents. And then, you know, then you have the grooming and the sexual assault and the generational trauma and it, it, the list kind of keeps going on. And then even like we go to the city of thieves at one point and in that moment they're saying, you know what, we're, you know, I think Karina's like, we're here to invoke the, the rule of the thieves or something. And at that moment they know that we are a refugee city and they honor it as such. I mean, you can't dance around the themes and where you're like, where do you start? You know, this is a heavy, I don't think this is what I was expecting from a YA book, especially like a, the follow-up to a book that we were like, Oh, this is fun. That's exactly right. It's like, Oh, the first one's like, Oh, this is fun. I'm, I'm really interested to see where this goes and where this goes is just not what we're expecting. Um, I think we can start with Hanan. Let's start with Hanan. So Hanan uh, back, back from the dead. Yeah. Back, back from the dead. And if we talk about Hanan, we talk about Farid. And if we talk about Farid, then we're talking about the whole book. So, um, Hanan is resurrected by Farid in the first book. And the second book is kind of dealing with that. And, and as a reminder, Hanan is Karina's sister. Yes. Like you think older because, sister. Oh, older sister. And, and she was the first in line. She was that, you know, and Karina even says, we say it in our episode, but Karina says it in this, this book. She goes, Hanan was the heir. I was the spare. So I think like, you know who the key players are. And honestly, even with this book, I remember thinking I should have reread the first book. And gone into the second book because to have because you start you kind of forget almost if it's been some time since you read the first book you're like wait who are these key players again and I think you know having a little background is helpful oh absolutely I love the character of Hanan in this book so much so Hanan back from the dead dealing with that um I feel like she deals with it pretty well yeah um but she is what they call her a lich. Yeah. And uh, she's cold to the touch, like ice cold, like shockingly ice cold to the touch. She doesn't bleed. She um, doesn't really blink unless she kind of makes herself. She doesn't breathe or like unless she, she was cut. stabbed. She had a sword go through her. And there's the line where Malik was able to stitch her up. And he goes, it's really just like because there's no blood. It was just two tough pieces of fabric being stitched together is how he described it. But I, I like how Hanan is written here because she's not like a zombie, right? right? She's not she's not rotting, she's not like gross, she doesn't have like a like a smell or anything, she doesn't eat, eat, eat weird things. She's just like normal, fine. And she's still processing because there's even that point where she's in the garden and 
Malik and his sisters hear crying and then they go to her and she goes, I'm still just so confused. Like my last memory yesterday, essentially. Yes, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's she so goes, sad. she goes, she's like, yesterday I just planted this tree with my mom and now here I am. This thing grew. Everybody has looks different and I just know what I know. Like then he, she even asks Malik at one point, he goes, can you conjure my sister? I know it's not her, but the sister that I remember, she's a woman now. That's so sad, too. She's like, you know, the, and the walls weren't this color and the plants weren't here. And I don't understand any of this. And where's Tunde? And where are all these people? And yeah, it's it's so sad. And oh, my God, all of it, all all of it is actually so very sad. Um, So Fareed has... Ugh, this this relationship with Hanan. And we learn through the flashbacks that Farid has been in love with Hanan his, like, whole life, right? And Hanan does not love him. Does not love him, does not feel anything towards him. She even says, like, I've known that he's always liked me, but... You know, and she's, she kind of, like, takes a little bit of ownership in a way where she's like, yeah, you know, who doesn't like somebody knowing the power that you can control over somebody? I get that. But at the same time, I like that it's like, but you're, like, don't be, like, I like that it's written in a way it's like, yeah, you take ownership of that action, but you can't. There, there's a line that Layla even says to Hanan, what kind of self-respecting adult allows teenage heartbreak to rule 10 years after their life? Yes, yes. And, and, and like, <laughs> mic drop, right? Like, it, it's just, it's incredible because that's exactly right. Fareed has done a lot of unspeakable things. Uh, he stole Hanan's death from her right he stole basically like an afterlife from her he brought her back without i mean i say permission who gets permission to be brought back but like you know he had no right to do that there was she did not love him and he was so upset that she wasn't there anymore that he took it upon himself to like ugh, it's it's gross it's gross it did a disservice to everybody and like except himself he was selfish he was a gaslighting son of a bitch selfish asshole all the red flags <gasps> treating her like she he treated her like property since the beginning he would say like the princes who were trying to get her hand in marriage he would say like who are they she belongs to me who, like, the sense of entitlement to her just because he liked her. Just because he liked her. But he poisoned. Yeah, he fake poisoned. No, he poisoned himself. Mm-hmm. He poisoned himself and he set it up for the other prince. So the prince, which fucks up an entire different community because he goes, Oh, I kind of feel bad. Now they're not getting food from us, but she's hugging me, so we cool. No, that's not, you know, and you want to tell me that women are too emotionally unstable to run a country? Are you fucking kidding me? So when he resurrected Hanan, he basically started the end of the world. Like, his toxic love for her is the end of the world. It, it, it's just, it is just absolutely crazy. So that is like the major like kind of plot that after you read it is is just like 
that is what is happening. Like, but but in between there, we get Karina and we get Malik and we have and their story, which is like also just completely gut wrenching. Um, oh my gosh, uh, Karina, Karina really goes through it here. Um, Karina's story had me in tears several times. Um, I really relate to Karina and everything that she kind of goes through here is just so freaking powerful. And I'm just so happy that something like this exists for girls now. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, where, where do you start with Karina? You know, she's on the run, you know, her, 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 her city, her kingdom is after her because they found out that she has magic. And even throughout the entire journey where she's trying to figure out basically people who will side with her um, and kind of believe her so she could go back to the kingdom to to clear her name because Fareed is spilling all this slander about Karina is the person who killed the Kestrel, her mother. Karina is the person who killed Tunde. Karina is the reason that this is all happening. We can't even get the rightful heir, Hanan, as queen because we still have uh, Karina as the queen in power. And she's just like, I need to get this magical power that is strong. And like, she doesn't even care. She she says to the hyena, she goes, I know there's loopholes. I know your tricks. I know, but I need the power. I don't care how to get it. I don't care what the, the loophole is, but I we need to get Fareed out of this like tyrant dictatorship that he has over everybody. And they admit him, like he go, and even Malik starts picking up on it too. He goes, talking about how Fareed is the person who he's he's a charmer. He can, and it's like the like people who love bomb, right? They get everybody on their side. They have the person that they're dating, and then they even get the friends and family involved. So, God forbid, like that individual in the relationship tries to tell the their their loved ones, "Hey, look, like this isn't a great relationship. I really think these are my my issues X, Y, and Z." Now you have the friends and family who are like, "No, but he's really good now." But he's doing this in an entire kingdom, basically shit talking her and she's like but no no how does nobody see through the rose colored glasses of the type of person that he is oh my god it, there's there's so much there's there's, so much. there's like so much there's I feel so like this much. is going to be all over the place there's so much because because yes to everything that you're saying obviously uh and then um something that you brought up to to me earlier when we were talking about this is uh through Karina's kind of quest that she goes on which is eventually to get the to get power from Doraleke like that is her like ultimate her goal, goal right. here um she um sorry I lost my train of thought because I was thinking about Doraleke and how freaking sad that is I will pivot on that and say that Karina's goal to go to Doraleke is when I was very very emotional and her and then Karina having having her conversation with Bahia and, and all of that. Um, oh, but what I was going to say before is that through Karina's quest, we get what you were talking to me earlier about, which was the um, human trafficking plot line to this, which is also like very heavy. And God 
damn, that came out, and it was just like, whoa, okay, we're dealing, we're gonna, we're gonna deal with this now. And then they did, they did deal with it, and she sacrificed herself. She was, you know, and then I, I just, she knew that she was obviously like a, a warrant out for her, more or less, and she uh, again is self-sacrificing and knew the importance of they're going to want me, let them focus on me and not, not, not the people that they're trafficking to get them free. Which turned out to be Malik's um, mother and, and grandmother, grandma. which is just like full circle. Um, but in that moment, uh, Karina meets Caracol and, and Ife. And they kind of uh, get all together and form like a little merry band mm-hmm. and, and go off to find Doraleke in the hopes of getting all the power together to go defeat uh, Farid. And while all of this is happening, we also have Malik. And Malik is having this very difficult apprenticeship to Farid. And he is going through just this a horrible like journey of self-worth and 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 like and self-doubt i can't i i I can't find i bookmarked it and i didn't i bookmarked it in the audio and i forgot to make the note there um but he says that he has the self not self-suffering but he's like describing imposter syndrome essentially what he's going through and you know he goes my people can't just roam these halls like who am i doubting himself doubting his place what's going to happen after the the right of renewal is complete he 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 doesn't know he's constantly on edge rightfully so and then he and and then there's the whole i don't want to say journey but his own trauma that he's going through reflecting on the abuse of his biological father and now farid is this like father figure in his life and he's trying to prove to Farid that he as you said like belongs there and that he you know deserves uh you know to be there with Farid and that uh and Farid can see this because Farid is one of those people he's manipulative and he knows that that Malik wants this praise and that and he uses that to his advantage too um and then he and and he says Farid says, like, the thing that you just hate to hear, which is like, um, you know, you made me do this. Don't you see? Like, I'm doing I'm doing this for your benefit. Like, you'll be better because I'm hurting you like this. It's like, oh, my God. Awful, awful, awful thing. Um, but uh, Malik is dealing with self-harm th- throughout this uh, entire situation. And it does not get any better um it, it does not get any better until um basically a deer talks him down from a an aliving attempt so and which is always it's, which is also so interesting because i feel like at the end of um the first book wraiths and ruin and then at the beginning of this one i feel like Adir is the quote-unquote bad guy. You know, he's the one who's infiltrated his body uh, in, in Malik's body. And he's, you know, he's the conscience, not conscience, but like the voice in his head, like, oh, you're turning a little bit. Like, you know, when he has like a little flare up of like attitude or anger, he goes, oh, maybe, maybe you're more like me than you thought. And then 
I feel like a deer turn. He goes. He pivots into a no, Malik. What are you doing? You can't. Like he, he becomes this conscience of sorts, and grows this affinity. And maybe like talking this out. Maybe it's because of the loss of his kid. You know that, but he gave up and sacrificed, and so he's constantly had to live with this turmoil of not having a son, and has maybe taken a de- uh, Malik into that son of his. And also, it's um, a deer says that he doesn't have like human compassion. He doesn't have like human feelings, but being tied to. Malik and Malik having such unique experiences with like self-doubt and anxiety and like depression and and all of these things has like kind of forced him to um have the these feelings that he didn't have before and has like humanized him a little bit which I kind of find interesting because when Malik taps into Adir's power um he he um pulls kind of this like i'm gonna say evil but that's not really what i'm saying this kind of like um vengeful i think maybe is the word like like i don't care about their pain like i i need to do this and i will do it any way that i need to and like this power is is giving me this ability and i'm gonna use it so like kind of that and and a deer um does is like no you can't do this like pull it in pull it in um, and then a deer does make a sacrifice and does sacrifice himself um, at the end so that, you know, they can all live. But it, it, it's, it's all it's all very interesting. It is so much deeper than I thought that that it would be going into it. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I, and I think it's interesting. Like you said, you read it the first time and you go, I had to put it. I put it down and then you read it a second time. And then you write a third time to prepare for this. And do you feel like you pull something different each one of those reads or it just kind of cements everything further in? No, I pull something different from each of the reads. Um, this time I pulled the um, the the like beast part of it kind of okay. from it. That's what I kind of pulled from this time. Um, but it's just it's just so very powerful and like so many different so many different ways here too. Just oh my goodness. Um, so we should then talk about um, Karina and, and kind of Karina's like emotional emotional state because I, I find it so very powerful. So Karina um, has all of these adventures and she she's kind of dealing with like I need to control my power, but everything that I do like. I destroy, but also I need to, you know, stand up and fight for things that I believe in and like fight for something instead of against everything. So she has her band and she she finds out about Dorleke and she deals with Mahame Small Claws, which is very scary. She reminded me of Baba Yellow Legs. Yeah, very much so. But then very when they were describing so. her legs, um, I was... <laughs> I I can't think of his name right now. I just watched Monsters Inc. You know, like the head monster, like the CEO. Oh, yeah, Mr. Water News. Yeah, yeah. He with his legs, like that's what I'm imagining, but in like a centipede capacity. So if we're talking about that, we have to talk about Malik and um, Karina being like dream connected here, right? Like yeah. that that whole thing. 
Like they're they're whatever happened. The thing that happened in the first book connected them where they still have like a telepath, not a telepathic, but like in a dream state or like in a life or death situation, they're connected. Yeah. And they could like sense that. Yeah. And they can sense that. So Karina is in a panic because she's dying at mommy small claws. So she calls out for Malik and he comes and like kind of rouses her because he can't actually like do anything. Mm -hmm. Um, But he kind of like rouses her and she, she kind of frees herself um, from a homie small claws. Um, And they, they go to Doraleke and Dora in Doraleke, Karina talks to Bahia. And this whole scene is so heartbreakingly sad. Like I, I, oh my gosh. Did you, did you, I don't know if you had the same reaction to this as I did. Um, probably not. I mean, I, I know we didn't, but I was just, it's so sad. And I remember reading it and there's this line, Karina's going to Dora Leke asking for the power so she can go back, defeat Fareed. And Bahia goes, the power you seek exists. Because she was like, does this power exist? I need it, blah, blah, blah. She goes, the, the power you seek ex- the, exists, but you are you do not, or, but you are not to access it. So it has been decided, and so it shall be. And tying that in with um, the fight that she was having with Dedele on, like, page 89 or something it was, she goes, she knew with gut-wrenching certainty that she did not want to die, even if it meant every other person in Sanande could live. So at the beginning of the book, she knew she needed to sacrifice herself in order for, like, the bigger picture. You know, it's the whole, like, sacrifice one person to save everybody or, like, who's to justify that that one person is worth all these lives, right? And in that moment, she has that, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And it just... Kingdom of Vash spoiler, it's like with Aelin when she was like, wait, I don't I don't want to sacrifice. Like, I've been sacrificing my entire life. I don't want this to happen. And then she has the conversation with Bahia and Doraleke. And it just reminded me, and we just refinished um, the ending of Empire of Storms earlier this week with one of our friends. And it was just a, it was all in borrowed time anyway. Like, her ancestor, and it's the part where I get so mad and I still get mad at Nehemia, is that her ancestors planned her death before she even got to live. Yeah, and so that, yes, obviously, very, very sad. Very, very sad. Um, so that is the, t- the the takeaway from that scene. The part that makes me, like, that kind of really gets me, though, is that um, Karina is, like, is that all I'm good enough for? Like, that's all I'm good enough. Like, I have done everything. Like, I've I've done everything you've asked me to. I defeat the warrior. I did this. I did this. I checked all the boxes. I ticked all the things. I made it here. Why I did what you told me to why do. Why isn't that enough? Like, why am I not good enough to, like, do the thing that you have, like, set precedence for that I could also do? And it's like, no, you, you are, that's not your path. You have this one thing that you can do that nobody else can do. And it is to like fucking die. And it's just like, 
it is such a gut punch. And, and, and Karina is like, so like, what is it all for then? Like what, why is that? Like, and then she has to, she processes that like to the end of the book. And, and at the end of the book, um, when she's with Hanan and Farid, she, she kind of says like, you know, I'm not lying. I am ready. Like I, I've made peace with it, but that it's like the middle of the book that she's, she's dealing with it. And it's just so hard because then she has this and, and she feels, Karina feels like it's like a rejection, right? Like it's a rejection from her ancestors. Like she's not worthy. And it's, and if you think not, not only is it from her ancestors, she's felt rejection through her whole life up until and still after her mother dies in front of her and she even call like she tells her mom, like was i ever good enough for you were never going to love me and she is you know recounting those those being her last words as you know the coup is happening when she watches her mother die and what is also very interesting is that when um so I, sh- I should say, we have not mentioned this. A very biblical thing kind of is happening. There are plagues the happening. Omens, yeah. The omens are happening. Yeah, while- there's omens happening. There are omens thing. happening there- while all of this other shit is happening. <laughs> there's four omens. The locusts, the storms and earthquakes, the plague, and the beast. And the beast. Like, all of this shit is happening, and it's all really awful. Um, so... Towards the end, when Karina has the plague, she is hallucinating um, her father and her mother. And all of the scenes with her father are absolutely horrendously heartbreaking. And I will not speak on them. I will start crying. But the scenes with her mother um, are so intense because even in Karina's hallucinations, she cannot even hallucinate her mother like being proud and like um, accepting her and like saying that she's enough like even then um it's just like disappointment and it, right, it's just, even ugh. when she like joins her on the balcony in the one scene she's like well what are you doing here like she like you're bothering me i could not deal with you right now it's just so it's just so heartbreaking it's, oh my gosh it's so heartbreaking um so, so, yeah there's also ugh, but um, so that happens at Doraleke and she, and Karina gets no power because like the power, you know, is inside of her, you know, all of this, but, um, she has to go tell her friends, like, I, I didn't, I didn't do it. Like, there's, yeah. and, and that's when Caracol is like, I knew it. Like, yeah. why did I, cause it was in that moment where he goes, look, if you get it, great. Like I get something out of it. And if I don't, this is what I want in return. I get to bring you to Fareed and I get to claim the bounty and blah, blah, blah. Like, I get it. Like, Set yourself up. Prepare for yourself. Um, But then along their journey, you realize he believes in her. He believes her as the queen and follows her as such. And she now she's already feeling that I've let my ancestors down. I'm not good enough for my ancestors. And now I've let these people who believed in me and put their trust in me down. Yeah. And they, oh, and then they kind of like, oh, my gosh. Um, But what happens here? Is um um Afua Afua binds herself in in like a moment of pure like undiluted panic and fear because of, Farid's sentinels or something yeah. they've they've come they found them at Doraleke that's what's happening so they're like in this state of panic they need to get out and there's only three of them 
Yeah. There, there's nowhere to go. Like, there's stuff. Or there's four. Afua, Ife, Caracol, Caracol and, and her, you know. Yeah. And and they're they're stuck. There's no way out. So Athua in 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 like blind panic puts on the headdress and binds herself as the guardian to the moving city of Dorleke. And it is just like it's a it's a tragedy. She is a child. She's a literal child that will n- now is immortal and is the immortal guardian of this of this. I'm going to say dead city only because, like, there is no one there. Like, there's just butterflies yeah. that bite people. <laughs> um, that's what you, that, that, that is a fact. <laughs> that, you know what it reminded me of? Because I love, I love the female friendships and the sisterhood and everything that's depicted here. And there's a line that, um, that Afua says where she's like, besides, and this is before she becomes like the new guardian of Doraleke. She goes, besides us, Zuenji st- need to stick together. Cause I think her and Karina, Karina's like, you can't leave your family. Like that's your family. And, um, and then she goes, uh, besides, uh, Afua goes, besides us, Zuenji need to stick together. My family has one another. You have me. Like she knew at, that Karina didn't have anybody at that so she's like i'm your family now and treated her as such and it reminded me of Maeve and amy's friendship in sex education and like especially like in season three where she's like we both have shitty situation like let's be each other's family and Mm -hmm. i just it just reminded me of their friendship and that afua has been connected to karina since the beginning and karina has made it known that nothing should happen to Afua. She is not to be touched. She is like, she is like, treat her like me, basically. And she did, she did this thing for the big, she wanted everybody to be okay, to be a guardian, to be, she, she just did it for everybody. And how selfless. And I'm thinking to the epilogue and she's still there. Like they didn't, they, there's no loophole there. The, the the only thing that we know there is no loophole because the mama why can't I think of her name now? Mahame Smallclaws. Smallclaws. I was gonna yeah. say yellow legs. No. Um, she said like I was trapped here for thousands of years, and the only way they got the key because the key was in her, and she ate people, was having being like boiled in rosemary and then the key popped out yeah oh god it's so sad it's so sad um okay so all of these moving parts right (laughs) all this is happening (laughs) all of this is like all of these moving parts are happening um it ends up happening that karina so she surrenders she, Karina surrenders and she is brought to Farid and she's brought to everybody, right? Um, this is before she gets sick and she's in the dungeons, you know, whatever. And she, she's brought out and she has like a night with Hanan. And um, she's like, I want uh, because she's begging for she's like, I'm happy to do it. I'm happy to do it. And then Hanan steps up to say, like, well, I want one more night with my sister. Like and she plays into for Reed's obsession with her to like grant her this to be like, but please, like she knew that he wasn't going to give it to her, but, but to anybody, unless Hanan asked herself. Ugh. 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 And 
I'll bring it up because it, it's important after. But um, so Hanan has this night with with Karina and and Karina and Hanan kind of have it out, right? Like they they oh, they yeah. they. It, it's it's oh my gosh. She well she like they they go back and forth and Karina is like I don't know the bullshit that Farid has been telling you, but I swear on both of our parents' grave, I didn't do anything to mom. That was all Farid. So I don't know what he's been telling you, but I can tell you, now you have two different truths. You decide who you want to believe because you've always trusted him. You've never trusted me. It's always, you've always favored him. Well, here you go. And then, uh, Hanan is like, you know, it's it's not like that. It's more complicated than that. And then she kind of gets into the into the like gross kind of grooming part of it. We kind of get to see a little bit more of that. And, and she tries to like brush it off, which I'm sure like, you know, that's not Hanan's not the only person who tries to like dissuade and downplay what's actually happening. You know, she's like, oh, well, you know, we were friends and like, I kind of just brought it up and, you know, and friends do that, right? Like she tried to kind of dismiss it because that was her way of handling what happened. And, uh, uh, and they, and to be so young, it, it, uh, it, it's, it's just, it's just so gross. It's so gross. Um, but it is through that conversation that we kind of really get more of Hanan there. And then um, Karina immediately falls sick. And, and then we get Hanan and Aminata to get uh, the plot to get Karina out. And would you say that that's also the turning point where Karina stopped thinking of Hanan as like, she was like, that that's my sister. Because before, when Hanan was just kind of standing there, in like in kind of like a frozen state i still think she's like in a state of shock with how she's processing things especially with her abuser right in front of her regularly she go like she tries to tell hanan karina tries to tell hanan i know you're not my sister because my sister cuz farid even hits her hits karina at one point karina says to hanan i know you're not my sister because my sister would never let anybody lay a hand on me you know you bring up a really good point you know, I'm not sure when the turning point is when Karina kind of realizes that, yeah, that is that is my sister, except when they're like fighting up in the air and she sees the eyes that like that is like a definite turning point. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you bring up the point with Hanan not only has to like deal with Farid, but you're right. He is in her face 24 7 he is isolating the absolute shit out of her and every time that she shows any little hint of independence he is angry um at everyone that allowed it to happen and to her he's like well maybe that wasn't the best thing you know tell me next time like that kind of situation so when you say that like she is in a state of shock yeah because uh when she explodes at him right right before she right before she kills him okay um there's the there's the there's the exploding right after layla was like let me tell you something um but like the the exploding like right before she kills him though but like she doesn't 
want to be touched by him, right? Oh, like, she's, yeah, she. T- I don't. I said, don't touch me. Yeah, and, and then, like, there's a line that says, like, she's like revolted by his touch. So knowing that, and knowing that she had to throw herself at him to get Malik and Karina out. Um, it's just so much more like, uh, and Malik sees it too. Yeah, I, 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 I don't because I think was he in the room when they were like going back and forth with their stories? Because no, he he wasn't, but he's been in there with Farid and and, and he knows. Oh, yeah, because there's a line where he walks in on Farid and Hanan, and he, there's a there's a line in the book where. Malik picks up on Hanan giving him some sort of look like, please do not leave leave me me alone alone with him. him." Yeah. And then, and then they like flash forward and then you see that he's trying to get Karina out, like wrapped as like wrapped in a mummy, mummy wrap of sorts because she quote unquote has the plague. Um, But we can't have him for No, that's Karina all the back and forth. And that's when she's like, I'm, she's doing everything to distract him to get her out. And Malik is like, gods only know what that cost her to do, you know, like, like, and like she had to keep going into the crook of his neck, into his chest. And like, he was like, just as revolted. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's so much. And then um, Malik then has his his very symbolic journey of like climbing the mountain. Right. He like is with with Karina and he carries her up the mountain to his home. And his home is like decimated because of the the omens that are happening. And then he finds them in the crystal cave. And Malik has a, this really great moment. It's one of my favorite moments with Malik. Um, and, you know, we haven't even really talked a lot about Malik and his like apprenticeship part. But like this in in the gem part, in the, the gem cave at the end of the book, when Malik confronts the elders that that abused him as a child and tried to beat the magic out of him. That was so powerful because Malik is like, don't you recognize me? I think about you every single like moment of my life. But abusers don't like, yeah. that's just, yeah, that's a notorious thing. It doesn't because it, they don't see anything that they did wrong. Yep. And Malik is like, you don't even know my name you have traumatized me i will never recover from what you did to me and you don't even know who i am like what a powerful moment and then he's like look you were right and and i'm gonna fuck your whole world up like you know, bam illusion bam illusion eat shit and die like it is so good and even adir is like yo you are loving this like <laughs> hey um, it, it, it's really something. And then, of course, um, Malik is reunited with his mother and his grandmother. And we have that other really lovely, lovely scene of, like, healing generational trauma there. Because Malik confesses absolutely everything that he's done. He holds nothing back. And then his mother goes... You know, your father was like that because his grandfather was like that. You did that. And then Malik is like, it's, it's never going to be like this again. Like, this is where, like, no more. And it is 
It's very powerful there. Very powerful. But if you want to, and Jess, this was your kind of thing. You want to talk about breaking generational trauma. I asked you what you thought about Karina and her hair color change. Oh, yeah. I initially had thought, well, we had we had discussed like it was breaking the generational trauma because it wasn't just her hair. It was his eyes, too. So I had thought in addition to that, was there a loss of power? Because, you know, it's it's the trope. Yeah, it's, it's the, the trope. trope, you know, feel like lose your power, self-sacrificing, but she doesn't. It's just not really discussed further because at this point we're at the end of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, which it just, it sits with you. It sits with you. It's like, you just want to, you want to keep talking about it and you want to keep processing at the same time. Well, and we're not even at the like very, no, very we haven't end. even like covered other things. I that know, are so poignant. There are a lot of other things, but let's talk about Hanan killing Farid. Because I love this. I absolutely love this. So Karina and, and Malik have a plan, right? So they have a plan. They, they're, they're doing the plan. And part of that plan involves Karina going to the lakes and, and knowing in the back of her head that if this all goes to shit, then she is going to perform the right of uh, renewal, right? She, like, yeah, yeah, I feel like this was just a plan, but the plan was, oh, like, once she accepted it, she knew that she knew what she was going to have to do. Yeah. And she was going to need to be, she knew she was going to have to self-sacrifice. She was like, we can try this. Not saying it's going to work, but we're we're just kind of going to pivot to plan B instead of plan A of sacrificing. Just for, just for a second. Just, just to, to see. play with the, yeah. Well, you know, just to, if this is even a possibility. <laughs> So what that entails, though, is Karina is convinced that, um, that Hanan has like the power inside of herself to to defeat uh, Farid because Farid is like very powerful, right? And he he's uh, he's in charge of everything, and he has this hold, as we know, this abuser hold over um, Hanan and, and all, all of this like ugh, this bullshit. So. Um, Karina goes and she's she's talking to Hanan and she's like, you know, um, it does, you know, you don't have to be like this. You know, he 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 doesn't control you like, you know, I love you, all of this stuff. And um, it's just it's just so freaking powerful. So what what would you say? Like the line here? I know you highlighted it, Jess. Karina is trying to 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 get through to Hanan and, and when tra- Hanan's now the beast. Now we're in stage. We're at the fourth omen, and and um, Karina has control of her Windeline powers, Zawenji power at this point, and they're kind of like fighting in the air. And Karina says, "You deserve to be as angry as you need to be to heal from what happened to you." Yes, because what happened to her um, is grooming and abuse. And Hanan was not able to kind of um, overcome this, this, this trauma to Farid in time, right? And, and that kind of uh, delay, hesitation there, whatever, turned her into the final omen, right? So, so Hanan is this like, 
beast. It's really like her angry and her trauma yeah. manifested into this beast. Yes, and and and, and Hanan kill. I mean, even and and this is the like really like thing about it. So like, even though Hanan does the thing that that we're all rooting for, Hanan kills her abuser. Right? She she kills her abuser, but then like. The trauma and the grief, like, manifesting into this beast, right? Even though as the beast, um, like, eats him. I don't know if you realize, like, picked up on that. But, like, the beast eats his corpse. Like, so there's nothing left but, like, blood. Right. Um, and that, that's, like, said. But even though that happens and he's gone, it doesn't do anything. But that, and that's very relatable it's like when you confront you know if if you are fortunate enough fortunate enough to have people believe you to go through the right steps to go into the front of the court of law you're you're confronting your abuser again and whether they get um you know whatever their punishment is that doesn't take away your trauma that and again just like with Malik confronting his abusers, that doesn't take away anything. Like, you know, how many books do we do have we read where it's like you you get your vengeance and you're like, do you feel better now? No. Like for that second you do, but you still have a lot of inner work and inner healing that needs to be done. It's not over just because they, they're dead. It's not over. Oh my God, that is so true. So the turning point where Karina, the turning point where Karina realizes that it is her sister, obviously, is here because uh, Karina notices that her she sees her sister's eyes in this like beast monster uh, situation that we have here, and realizes that she's just so afraid and she's lashing out, right? Um, and she's so angry and she's so afraid and she's lashing out and and uh, Karina says like you were screaming and screaming for years. And nobody heard you. Um, and then just as you said, like, you deserve to be angry. And I, I just feel so bad for, for Karina. Like, like, I feel bad for Karina because here she is, the little sister, with almost a 10-year age difference. Mm -hmm. And she's taking the, I didn't hear you scream. There is a 10-year age difference. Of course you didn't. Like, and to take that upon yourself, like, how she still feels responsible, too. And I remember, like, in our 10 Things I Hate About You episode, we talk about Kat and Bianca, where Bianca doesn't know about Kat's trauma and what happened. But there was an age difference there, too. I wouldn't, you know, her sister was four and she was 12. You know, there's... That's a big age. I'm pretty sure I'm not telling you my four year old sister. Right? Yeah. What is happening? <sighs> it's, oh my gosh. Um, the end of this book. The epilogue end. Uh, the yeah. Or the last chapter. Um, I was gonna say the epilogue end, but do you have a last chapter end that you want to talk about? Just when he's like, "You are my pulse." Like how sweet. <laughs> it is. So sweet, right? Like it is so sweet. And actually, I now feel that, you in my pulse. That's I feel what I you in my pulse. Uh, now that you bring that up, do you want to talk about the really, really, really lovely conversations that Malik and Karina have over and over and over again about comfort and consent uh, with um, and that they were especially and Malik like has the internal thoughts where he would, you know, they would be physical. 
they would be mentally physical, I guess is the way you can say it, because they're connected mentally Mm -hmm. in their dream states. And they're having the conversations and they're doing physical things in their dreamlike states. And even then, like, oh, because there's a point where Karina's like, you know what I do when I'm stressed? I go out and fuck, fuck somebody. Yeah. Like, and he's like, uh, and she's like, it's the one thing. Everything is controlled. Everything I have in my entire life is controlled. It is the one thing that I get to control. And I thought my that was body just, and who touches it. Right. Right. I loved that. And then he, and he even made a comment to himself. Like it was an internal thought to himself because then him and Karina start, you know, getting handy and he go. he says, he goes, he says to himself, he goes, oh my gosh, I'd get so much shit. I'm a boy. I'm a man coming of age and I don't feel comfortable with this. I'm not experienced. And he goes, can we slow down? Can we keep this above the waist? And I thought that was so sweet. And she goes, you tell me, is this good? Is this good? Do I need to pull away so like we can give ourselves and like respect each other in our space. I just the communication's there, you know. We love that. And then in the last chapter, I, I, I think yeah, when yeah, they yeah, when they chap- when they do actually hook up, um, he was like, I I I I don't know. And she's like, I am so experienced. Don't worry about it. Just <laughs> tell me what you want and I will tell you what I want and then we will work together. And if at any point what we don't want Mm -hmm. or if we need to stop, like, we will. And then who was it? And then, like, she, like, they didn't stay the night together because he was just, like, had a, you know, they Because they were in, like, like a lemon grove. (laughs) They were, like, outside. (laughs) So, like, she went back and Aminata got yeah. a con- like made the contraceptive for her she was like uh you know she's like my girl was there she just knew i didn't even have to tell her she had my contraceptive ready because <laughs> i forgot and then they teased um malik when he came he's like oh sorry like and then she was sad because she's like here we are leaving and he's not coming to say bye and she's like I should be used to this. I I one night stand people all the time like it's no big deal it's no big deal and she's crying <laughs> She's like, it's fine, because it's fine. <laughs> like, relatable, right? She's so and great. Then, <laughs> and then he's like, I'm sorry, I overslept. I was really tired. And everybody was like, mm, mm. were you? Like, his mom and, like, <laughs> grandma are grandma. like, hey! <laughs> and they used to, oh, and then they were like, oh, you have childbearing hips. And you know, you're there. he's like, mom! <laughs> so funny <laughs> and, and then they were like yeah and he he was like melting into a puddle they were trying not to like <laughs> oh it's so funny i'm so it embarrassed was the for livid, him i feel like it was after reading all of that it was absolutely the levity that was needed yeah because then you go into the epilogue <gasps> and it's just another freaking gut punch but i love this epilogue because it's this is the epilogue. most like I'm going to say real kind of ending that I have ever like kind of encountered in a fantasy book. They, they just fizzle out. They do out. the thing also. Yeah. But they fizzle out. They just fizzle out. Well, and they, and they say like, they go from like writing each other all the time to write like less and less. And then it just stops. 
Yeah, they're busy. It's years, right? He's up searching for his sisters and he's like starting a magical school and, you know, doing all this stuff. And she is like running an entire kingdom, like overthrowing the old ways and like ushering in the new ways. And, and yeah, it just, it just freaking fizzles. And, and you don't, that is never, ever addressed ever. No. And, and it's so sad because the, even in the epilogue, she goes, that's the end of this. That that's the end of the tale, not necessarily the story. But let's pretend. Yeah, maybe. Here's a scenario. Here's another scenario. This could be happening. Yeah. But at the like, and then when they were like, they see each other, and then they look away, and then they're like, do they remember me? Do they not remember? Like, it's been so long. Yeah. Yeah. You just, you, it's it's real. It's real, and it's sad. And you know, in the end, initially before the epilogue, they have the conversation of like, "I'm going to do this. You're going to do this. We'll see each other again." And when you hear about the "I feel you in my pulsing," and then you know that it's tied to like um like marriage, like a ma- marriage, like a marriage statement, like marriage vows. You're like, okay, that's going to be the epilogue. I'm going to have like. You know I love a happily ever after. I don't care about the shit that I have to go through to get there. But I, I like it. I do like it. I, I also appreciate... I, I could go two ways, honestly. Because then I think of our God Dinep- Monsters episode where I'm like, not every happily ever after... Oh, maybe I'm going to talk myself out of it. Not every happily ever after is necessarily with somebody oh i'm talking myself out of it it was a good ending it was a good ending because it's still a happily ever after for their own stories not necessarily for their relationships i just talked myself out of it fuck (laughs) it's very we talked about this earlier it's very priory oh yeah it's very you know put your put you know big picture we'll we'll come back together to do yeah uh, then it is it is stick it will stick with you oh my gosh um uh, i just it, there there is just so much here because like all of malik's trauma and his self-harm and his like trying to break all of his generational trauma and and then you know and then we we haven't really talked about the like enemies to lovers like Romeo and Juliet kind of like backstory subplot that is kind of happening between yeah. Malik and Karina because of their ancestors because um, they talk about that a lot and you, you know you bring up a good point because they do have because the, they have the th- there's a dream that Karina has where she has the dagger up to Malik's throat or something and she, she has the internal thought of, I don't know if I should kiss him or kill him. Mm-hmm. And then I can't remember if it was Afua or Ife who's like, who are you thinking about? Because your pulse is racing and this is the type of Zawenji magic I have. And it's not a normal type of, I can tell that you're turned on. Who's turning you on right now? That's Ife because yeah, they okay. have the, they have the healing magic. So they're able to like sense the like, um, heart and stuff. Um, but, but yeah, yeah. Like that's, that's exactly, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It's, uh, there, there's just so much. There's so much here uh, that 
I think merits like several like rereads uh, just because you you just pick up on, on, on so much. I feel like this whole book is quotable too. Like the quotes are so strong and they're so relatable. I just think any, anybody can pick up this book and find some something to relate to. There's a relatable quality that anybody can like there, there's two quotes that initially it was like, don't let the past dictate your future, which is something that we always discuss, you know, like you are who you choose to be. Like, yes, that's happened in the past. Yes, it's made who you are. Yes. Um, you know, who you are in the face of adversity just creates a stronger person. Um, and at the same time, it flows into nobody escapes this world without some sort of trauma. And it's also like, who, like none of us we might not talk about it and maybe we do now more so than like generations of the past definitely millennials gen z gen alpha and all of that we're just like oh you know we've talked about this before like oh my gosh i talked to my therapist this is what they said like we're all going through some shit my a red flag for me would be if you have if you don't have trauma why don't you have trauma for real why don't you have trauma like there's something wrong there (laughs) that that, that's that's not right that's not right um this is the end of the this is a duology. There is no more here. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't know if I can handle a third. I know. I know. It's like gosh, um, but this is really beautiful, and and I would really love to see this as like a like a limited like mini series kind of situation. I feel. Who do you think would do? I I don't feel like it's a. I feel like this at Amazon Prime. This feels like an Amazon Prime thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because you would really need to get the world building spot on, and the casting has to be really perfect. And yeah, Amazon like it's not a Hulu, it. like no. it's not a Netflix. Like if you go through the streaming services, I don't think H. I don't think it needs HBO. Mm-mm. I don't. Th- I think I don't think it needs Netflix. I think Amazon could bring value the value it needs. Yeah, like it ha- like not the value it needs, like. It has substance. It has value. You need someone who can translate that with the budget that Amazon has. I guess that's why. I, I, yeah. Oh, I think it would be really beautiful on screen, and 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 should be because like I I did a bit of research on this. It's not a lot. There's not most a lot. of the things that I found were just um. Reviews, reviews from people who had yeah. like either arcs or opportunities to speak with the author. Mm-hmm. Um, but the 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 research component, like I don't think people are talking about it. Mm-mm. I haven't. I personally haven't seen it on Book Talk. No, nope. maybe it's been on Bookstagram at some point with like individual again reviewers, but I don't see it part of like mainstream conversation. Um, Faye Crate. Oh, okay. Faye Crate did, um, did a like box plushies? on this. Uh, I, my Instagram has been crashing. Um, I don't think they did. Pl- they 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 did a like a box. I can't. My my Instagram is crashing. But Faye Crate did did a box about this. Um, but it hasn't shipped yet because of um, supply chain delays. Yeah. But uh, so I, I I know that exists, but I do not feel that this gets anywhere near the attention that it deserves and that people should talk about this more because it's it's 
beautiful. It's lovely. It is unique. It is, it blew my socks off the first time I read it. It just blew my socks off just in ways that I was not expecting. And in and the best way possible, obviously. Like, yeah. I mean, it's deep. It's, I was not, this was not the week that I was like, oh, I'm just going to have a light read. No, 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 no. Uh, but very grateful to read this. I think we should end this episode as the book ended. There's this beautiful quote from the narrator, and she says, and that's the beautiful thing about endings, for even them coming back together again would not be the end. What seems like the end is simply another beginning. It's so lovely. You know, I love this book. I love this book. Jess, do you love this book? Do you like this book? I love this book. Like, I think... It, I will reread it, but it's not a comfort read by any chance. Mm-mm. No, not a comfort read, but definitely worthy of a reread, worthy of a recommendation. No question, no doubt. And I would, and you could read it. Any, you could read it audio. You could read it with, you know, traditional reading. I did it with both, and yeah, I'm just masochist apparently. So. <laughs> Feel free to follow us at Akafe Podcast on Instagram. We're also both on TikTok, Akafe Laura and Akafe Jessica. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.